Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello one and all, and welcome to Behind the Glass. I'm your host, Sam, from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass. And I'm Tony from Gravelwood Car Sales. Yes, you are. Uh, each week we get together, we talk about cars, motorsport, F1... Car, what else? Cars? Cars? We cars, 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 cars. <laughs> <laughs> You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can watch us on youtube.com forward slash behind the glass. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. And Tony, if people want to support this podcast, what should they do? Watch it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but also head to Patreon. You can support us on patreon.com forward slash behind the glass. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. I wish, I wish that this episode was going to be dedicated to what I've been doing this week. What have you been doing? I know you've been doing, but they don't. Driving the Ferrari 296 GTB in Spain. What? Was it warm? Oh, it was, the weather was so nice. Was it? Oh my God. And the scenery. So we were near Seville, uh-huh. right, you know, basically next to Portugal, uh-huh. right in the southwest corner of Spain. Oh, beautiful region of Spain. Andalusia. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, weather was incredible. Locations were amazing. Why Spain? Why not Italy? Ha 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 ha. Good question, my friend. This is the first international media drive that I've ever heard of, been made aware of, or know of taking place outside of Italy. So I went to Ferrari and I said, What's going on? Why are we in Spain? They basically didn't have an answer. They were like, Oh, well, it's snowing in Fiorano. I was like, have you heard of the south of Italy? <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, we don't have to be in Fiorano. It's all a bit, it's not odd. I think it's kind of good. And maybe this represents new era of Ferrari. Like we keep talking about, this is happening. Ferrari are moving on in life. But even the people from Ferrari couldn't remember there ever being an international media event, launch event outside of Italy. Mm. It's quite significant. Yeah, it's huge. That's what I said. Like, why is it in Spain? Yeah, it sounds insignificant, but it's it's not. It's quite a significant thing. But I I wasn't complaining because, as I say, beautiful part of Spain. And so I was there filming the, you know, first drive impressions of this car. With with lots of other... Yeah, lots of other journalists. Okay. And I can't talk about it. Ah, <laughs> I can't talk it. about it. I signed, I signed legal paperwork saying that I would not talk about An it. An affidavit did you sign? An embargo. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, literally, I think the embargo lifts on the 7th of March. So you'll all be inundated with Ferrari 296 GTB reviews at that point. I will go live a few days later because I don't upload. I don't upload. So for for people that don't know, viewers mostly, if what would happen if you broke that embargo, if you released it before? I would, I would actually be liable. I would genuinely be liable to be sued by Ferrari. Yeah. I don't know whether that would happen. I would get about... 150 phone calls from Ferrari. Yeah. I would be blacklisted. I'd, I would be blacklisted from anything Ferrari related yeah. ever. And also, I would be very much frowned upon by 
contemporary, so other journalists and outlets. Your peers. And other manufacturers, mm. you know, because the minute you break an embargo, and especially if you break it sort of significantly, the world pays attention. Like the automotive yeah. world will, re- will notice that. And then you're not really as a sort of trusted source. So yeah, yeah it's, it's not a clever decision. And if you don't really know what an embargo is or why manufacturers do this, it's a bit of an old school thing, but it all ties, ties itself to the traditional media outlets. Um, sort of back in the day when magazines were the most important people attending uh, any kind of media event uh, so that outlets from all over the world could attend and not necessarily compete with each other. Um, a PR team would put an embargo in place so basically everyone's content could go live from the same date. Because a lot of monthly magazines, like take GQ, yeah. they're usually writing three or four months in advance. You know, yeah. they're, 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 they're sort of publishing times or their lead times are, are literally two, three, four months in, in advance. <clears throat> well, it's why sometimes um, Top Gear and TV can be a bit dated now, mate, because they don't film it yesterday. They film it months before. Of course, they've got so, to edit it and yeah. put it into a schedule and things like that. But yeah, but traditional media, say magazines uh, predominantly, uh, would have those lead times. But also, if you're inviting 150 journalists from around the world, you can't invite them all on the same day. Um, so if somebody came three weeks before another person, it's not really fair that their content goes out before the other person. Mm-hmm. So that's why it sort of began. And then these days it's sort of relevant because SEO, which is you know search engine optimization, basically if... I put out an article about the Ferrari 296 GTB, even if I've got a very small website, every article that follows after that will be positioned behind me on Google. Yeah. If you search 296 GTB, my, my article will come up first because of that's how SEO basically works. Yeah. So again, to sort of try and not give any one outlet that advantage, uh, yeah, PR teams put these embargoes in place. They're not ideal. They're frustrating. Uh, for those of us who you know, want to see 296 GTB content, it means that usually on one day, suddenly 10 videos get uploaded. And oh, that's like, the thing, isn't it? It's not ideal for you. It's ideal for Ferrari because they're getting loads of content all at once. I, I disagree. Do you I, think it's bad for them as well? I don't think it's. I don't think it necessarily matters. I think it's ideal for, for, for magazines and websites. Right. That, that's who, it, who it's fair for. Okay. For Ferrari, they're going to get the coverage and the content anyway. And actually, rather than one big spike, it's better for them to let it bleed out. You want a big spike at launch, but you want <clears throat> continuous coverage. Yeah, but they do. They will get continuous coverage, especially with the digital platforms now, because people watch them a year later. That's the whole point of inviting you guys now, because it's there and you watch it whenever you like. So... Um, yeah, they, they, they'll probably still get the initial spike and then it's drip fed as the years go on. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, the main advantage is to the more traditional magazines and, and websites, as I say. So that that's fine. But yeah, you're going to have to stay tuned. And what's going to happen is hopefully... When's it coming? Uh, so I said 7th of March is the, oh. is the embargo lift. My video will go live a couple of days after that. Because, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I like to be, you know, bring up, pick up the scraps. <laughs> um, but uh, hopefully that week, we're going to try and get Shmi 150, Tim Burton, who was on the launch event with me to come on the podcast so we can both chat about it in more detail, oh, fair enough. share our thoughts and talk about the experience. Anyway, I wish that's what we were talking about. It's not. What we are going to be talking about towards the end of this episode is my new daily. Finally. <laughs> Wait, so what, So we're going to talk about it and then you're going to put a picture up? No. No? Hold on. <laughs> Don't overconfuse things. 
at the end of this episode, finally, 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 I will be revealing my new daily. We're going to talk about some topic as how I ended up choosing it. Some patrons have made suggestions of what they think it might be, etc., etc. And then I will reveal it. That's without. a cracking car, by the way. Oh, that's very kind of you to say. Uh, and then on Sunday, a main channel video will go live revealing the car properly. Because today I'm going to tell you what it is, but I'm not going to tell you everything about it. Um, and then on Sunday, if you really want to find out all the details, the main channel video will go live. But that's that's to come. Right. So back that's to at the end. Yeah, that's the end. Right. Um, back to Ferrari. Whilst I was in Spain, some pictures ended up on the internet. I know, I saw them. And I was tagged 300 million <laughs> times. Have <laughs> you? It was you. Yes. My whole inbox was, look at this, look at this. <laughs> because at this. supposedly, and still unconfirmed, <laughs> so that's why I have to say supposedly, but we all know it's basically the car. The Ferrari FUV, the 4x4, the SUV from Ferrari, was leaked, the Puro Sangue, or whatever it's being called. Pictures emerged from what it looked like on the Ferrari factory line of this kind of silvery grey car. Colour didn't do it justice the colors at all. And the wheels were disgusting. Yeah. But, you know, it kind of went viral. And I say Ferrari haven't said anything yet. No one's officially come out and said, yeah, that is the car. But Someone's been sacked, for sure. <laughs> Someone has definitely been yeah. sacked. <laughs> there was a little bit of a sort of uh, panicked look on most of the Ferrari employees. Was there? Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, it all kicked off as we were standing together. And then suddenly <laughs> they were on phone calls for the rest of the afternoon and slightly stressed. So um, not a great day for them. Um, which, you know, as I say, pretty much confirms uh, what we all think, that, that that is the car. I'm assuming the official unveiling of it can't be that far away if we're seeing a sort of what looked to be a finished production model on the line. Yeah, like I said, the, well, and we both just said the wheels and the colour didn't do it justice. I, I think the final, final car with a proper set of wheels on it in a proper colour, I think it will look fine. I think it looks good from the back, um, less so from the front. But I think it, it will be... Yeah, and colour dependent. For all we know, that was a design study that was being used as a shell of a car that's going off for sort of final viewing from the design team yeah. or from the board like that. So this is why we can't really sort of say that that is the car. You know, those wheels could have been slave wheels. We, there's too much that we don't know yet. But fundamentally, we've had a bit of a glimpse as to what this car will look like. And if you yeah. match it up with some of the spy shots, the car driving around in camo, it kind of makes sense. The same with tail lights as the 296 GTB. Mm. Front end that looks like a mix between the, the SF90 and an, an old Lusso. Um, because this is more of a crossover than an SUV, that's like, you know, so it's called the Ferrari utility vehicle yeah. rather than the sports utility vehicle. Classic Ferrari. Uh, you know, it's not supposed to be a, necessarily a Bentayga rival or a US rival. It is supposed to be basically a jacked up Lusso. And not not the, th- the first time we've seen a car like this or we've seen a car unveiled and people think, oh, that's disgusting. Um, Urus new shape M3 720S 720S was a was a real one remember when we all Bentayga, saw that Bentayga first gen Bentayga I actually really like the look of the newer Bentayga now so nice especially like when they've got the black pack on them and the right wheels yeah, yeah, yeah. so oh, lovely um People get you. It's just change, mate. People yeah, people get that's used always, to them, you know. And you know to to keep it with the two nine six GTB for a second, even though I'm not supposed to be. Um, it's the same with that that car. I, I can't decide. It's some times I think it's absolutely stunning and sometimes I see an odd angle and I'm like mm, no I like it's a it. bit funky From yeah I've seen, I, I think it looks pretty that car yeah but, but, but it's what you said that you know new design language sometimes takes a while to get used it does, to yeah um, but yeah so theoretically we now know what the the FUV from Ferrari is going to look like we'd still don't know the name I know a little bit more about engines I don't think I'm allowed to say again <laughs> 
haven't actually signed anything. Well, can just, I can I say what I think I know? Yes. And then you can um or are or sure. say nothing. That's a very good idea. So I believe there's a V6 coming, petrol car, with some hybrid technology, I guess like the 296. I believe there's a V12 coming as well. And a diesel. No, it's not a diesel. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting thoughts there, Tony. Uh, yeah. And I bet there'll be an electric one. I bet at some point there will be an electric one. I don't. Mate, there has got to be at some point. Why? Because, well, what, are Ferrari excluded from making electric vehicles? Yes, and so they should be. Well, they're not, but I agree. I think they are because of the number of vehicles they produce. I think hybrid helps them get away with their emissions and stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, but what about when 2030 comes? Mate, 2030 is not coming. So, here we go. Boom! This is what I'm so excited to talk to you about, because I don't think you know about this yet. Oh. While I was on this launch, I was there with some, as you say, real credible... Journalist Henry Catchpole from Carfection, Rory Reed from Auto Trader, Jason Barlow, Top Gear, GQ, um, a whole load of real big, heavy hitter journalists. Mm-hmm. So I find it really fascinating to pick their brains and talk to them about things. And obviously, we're there driving and reviewing a hybrid Ferrari, a new era for Ferrari, and that naturally moved the conversation on to you know what is the future for companies like Ferrari, and what do we all think about electric vehicles and hybrids and things like that. Little did I know, and I'm ashamed that I hadn't seen this or picked up on it, Rory Reid has done a fascinating piece over on Autotrader based on a report that Volvo released. And Shmi150 has also now done a, a piece about it based on the fact that he's basically swapped his Taycan for two V12s. He's gone out and bought a Lusso and a DBS, I think. So um, he, he did a piece about this as well. So I've pulled up the report because it is absolutely fascinating. And bravo Volvo for for conducting this report and releasing its findings because it's actually not that positive. They've tried to put a positive spin on it, but it's not that positive. The title of the report is Carbon Footprint Report, Battery Electric XC40 Recharge and the XC40 Internal Combustion Engine. So these are basically Volvo build the XC40 on the same line whether it's a battery-packed car or a combustion engine car. All the components are pretty much the same, apart from... The running gear. The running gear, exactly. And what they wanted to understand is how green or how much greener or how um, how many fewer emissions is the recharge, the electric car in compared to a combustion engine car. Mm-hmm. Is this really the solution that we want to be chasing? Because mm-hmm. as we've spoken about quite a lot on this show uh, and is now sort of becoming more and more discussed, are electric cars really that green? Well, it's it's becoming more and more discussed because more and more people are buying electric cars. Now, I think they're buying them because I think like 20 years ago when we was all told to go and buy diesel cars by the government... We're all being pushed to buy electric cars. Now, the governments have a history of doing this and it doesn't mean it solves the problem. And now, I don't know what you're going to say, but I've got a really good idea what you're going to say. And this will back up, hopefully, unless I've really put my foot in it, what we've been saying for quite a long time. I think you're you're going to be thinking the right thing, but I think you're even going to be surprised at how much this rubber stamps. Oh, this is the best day of my life. <laughs> now, all I, the caveats I will say is that firstly, I will agree and admit 
that it's still relatively early days in the production of electric vehicles. Yeah. Um, you know, lots can change and, and lots is hoping to change. Um, we've been making combustion engine cars now for donkey's years. So yeah, we're yeah. very good Hundred at plus it. Years. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But you're so right. The global pressure from a governmental level is to go electric. Yeah. This seems to be the kind of agenda. Um, and good on Volvo, as I say, for, for doing this report and looking into it. I have had to skim read it. I did chat to Rory and Shmi about it. So I may have missed a few key details and feel free to go and read the report yourself or more realistically go and watch Rory's video over on Autotrader. But headline figure for you. Okay. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. So an XC40 combustion engine car over its lifetime which I think was based on around 150,000 miles, so 200,000 kilometers. Okay. No, normally around a 10 or 15 year lifespan in general, cars have. Exactly. Yeah. We'll put out around 58 tons of CO2 emissions. Yeah. Okay. Based purely on the global current sort of um, electric production so you know we're losing a lot of fossil fuels here in the uk for example to actually create electricity and charging mm, network mm, mm -hmm. an xc40 recharge will be 54 tons so just four uh, sorry uh oh why am i struggling now yes 54 tons so it's four tons less than the combustion engine car okay now you go well great it is it's it's it it's is a, less it's a, it's a cleaner way to go about it yeah and, and you're right. I think it's definitely nowhere near as much as you would maybe think or suggest. But the more interesting fact is when you dive down into the production or the manufacturing emissions versus the actual road going emissions, because it's so carbon emitting to manufacture an electric vehicle, they start at a massive deficit. Mm -hmm. So essentially, there's a break even point where an electric car becomes greener than a combustion engine car. If you go on basic current global electricity production levels, that break-even point is 146,000 kilometers. So for the first 146,000 kilometers, a combustion engine XC40 is greener than an electric XC40. Okay. Now, that's that's... That is surprising, even for me, to hear that. I I knew that the grass weren't always greener. Excuse the pun. <laughs> I knew that I knew that for sure there was gonna be some other some other bits that we not are not seeing as um <clears throat> consumers. But for a car to be I'm just trying to break this down from a professional point of view. So a combustion engine car, 140,000 odd kilometres, right? Mm -hmm. So that's some 90,000 miles, maybe mm -hmm. 100,000 miles, roughly. Yeah, yeah. 85,000 Around 80,000 yeah, 85, yeah, yeah, yeah. miles. Okay. If that's a small car, that's worth not a lot of money at that point. Um, and... So are we saying the electric car, once it gets to that point, don't forget, batteries are not going to last forever as well. So there's also going to be a point where when you scrap a combustion car, it gets scrapped 
and that's the end of it. it goes to a scrapyard and it gets recycled as well as far as I know you can't do that with a battery you can't just scrap a battery there's there's different um, ways and uh, pollution ways because of what it gives off yeah absolutely so um, and I only know this because I, I know someone very high up in Audi and they said that when electric cars are going to get you know, when they really catch on, there's going to need a point when they get to eight, I think I told you this before, when they get to eight or 10 years old and the batteries are becoming to the end of their life, there's going to have to be a like a, a, a compound where they're going to have to go and sit for a while before they can do anything with them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think fundamentally batteries are can be volatile towards the end of their lives. Yeah. I'm sure there's thoughts going into this. It's definitely not a hidden secret that after eight or ten years, it's expected that any vehicle, current vehicle battery is going to be not performing as well. This is like an iPhone battery. Over time, it, it does deplete. Of course, like an engine though, mate. It, it's exactly. the same. So, so yes, you're right. There's going to be a chance that these vehicles may need to have their batteries replaced, which will then add to their emissions because the creation of that battery produces carbon to then you know slot into the car yeah so my question for you is then what's the average mileage do you think per year of a car like an xc40 um well the the average mileage is around twelve thousand miles a year used to be 10 but it's around 12 now but people still do say ten thousand miles a year roughly so we're we're looking at maybe six to eight years for an xc40 owner to have amassed around 140,000 kilometres, potentially. But we know that realistically when somebody, if they're buying a car new, and this is what we're looking at here, after four years or maybe five years in the UK, they're probably going to be changing. It's, you know, it's, it's loads less than that. It's like 26 months. Fine. Just so that's the average years. ownership? Correct. Okay. So uh, again, you know, but that car will then hopefully move on. But higher mileage examples, less demand for them for sure. You know, if an XC40 combustion engine car's up at with 60, 70,000 miles on the clock, it's not that an attractive proposition. Mm. So what I'm trying to get the, what I'm trying to hit at here is that as we're approaching that break even point, firstly, there's the question of will the recharge need a new battery? And secondly, how many XC40 combustion engine cars or recharge cars are going to be getting to that point within private ownership of that break-even marker. 146,000 kilometers. That's a very long way to go in an XC40. In mm. an electric version, which at the moment, you know, you can only do 200, 300 miles at a go. Yeah. Uh, or a combustion engine car. You know, that's a high... I know, you know, we've got Volvos from 1990s that maybe have done 150,000 miles. Or more. Like that, or yeah, more. Yeah. But, but they're 20, 15, 20-year-old cars. Mm. So my point being that it's a huge amount of miles that need to be covered before you even break even and that and that as well like i said when cars get to seven or eight year old things start to break now with a combustion engine which you definitely can't do with a battery when a battery's gone it's gone it's finished you need a new battery so a battery on an electric vehicle will be eight or ten grand for instance do we know that no, 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 we don't know, but, but I'm just, I'm just that saying, a hell of a lot. it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not going to be 500 quid, like you can get a recon engine. Do, do you know, this is what I'm trying sure, to say, yeah. like, There's like, inherent cost associated when, a, well. when, a, when a car gets to eight or nine years old, and, and cars are miles better than they used to, you know, they go on, but the gem, the general consensus is that the government likes cars in this country 
to be around 10 years old. That's why there's all these um, charges, congestion charges and stuff, and people that Ulez. run ULEs that run really old cars, they get really penalised because they're, they're emissions, obviously. So, but, so when you get to a point in a, in a combustion engine car, it's, it's throwaway if it's broken because they, you know, they, things wear out. But if you don't want to throw it away and you don't live in the town, you can easily repair it for not a lot of money. So with, a, with an electric car, and I don't know for certain, but I know for sure that the batteries won't be cheap and you can't refurb the battery. You need a new one. So the car's going to be throwaway at seven or eight years old. And then at that point, we're exactly level with a combustion car, but a combustion car with a recon engine can go again. But also the fundamental point here, which is what the report is looking at, at that point, the combustion engine car will have emitted less carbon. Yeah. From its manufacturing point to the point that you are at, it is the greener option So at, are, at that stage. Are you taking manufacturing for both of them into consideration That as is well? what this study looks like. Good. This is purely on manufacturing. Right. Because that's what I was saying. That's why there's this break-even point. Right. That's why the... the electric car starts with such a deficit because it's got to make up all this ground Fair. to get to that break-even point. Yeah. Because, of course, when you're on the road, the electric car is emitting way less emissions, but it's still taking such a long time to break even with the combustion engine car. Now, just to give a bit of a positive spin on this, that was based on current global electric electricity production uh, methods. Yeah. Now, EU28, I think, is the goal for Europe to produce electricity in a cleaner way by what, I guess, 2028, isn't it, I suppose? Mm -hmm. Based on that sort of plan, it's around 84,000 kilometres would be that break-even point. So that's still a pretty hefty way to go. Still at that point, mate, like when, like I just said, when a car gets to 80-odd thousand miles... Well, no, so those kilometres, so 50,000-odd uh, miles. 50, oh, 50,000-odd 50, miles, okay. Yeah. So, well, that's better. It's, it's better, yeah. it's better, but <laughs> that's if we can achieve EU28's goal of cleaner production of electricity. Yeah. And then the ultimate sort of story, which is maybe more Volvo's aim with this, is that if we're on the cleanest production of electricity, so wind, then it's only 47,000 kilometres is that break-even point. So about 20,000 miles. Okay. So if globally we can produce electricity only from wind for charging these vehicles, and also to help with the production side of things as well, then it is a much quicker point at which an electric vehicle makes more sense. The problem is we are not there yet and we are very far from miles there. away. So right now in this moment it is actually a greener decision to buy combustion engine. Which good. We, <laughs> but but the the problem which we've got is is if all of us listen to this and go right okay well that that makes sense for the next 5 years I'm going to keep buying combustion engine because it's a greener choice. Do manufacturers keep pursuing electric with the hope that the world... Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. is going to produce greener electricity and make that break-even point come down so that then by the time we get to 2030 if these regulations are still in place we only have to drive an electric car for 20,000 miles before it's actually been become the greener choice over a combustion engine that might even be less I mean who knows the production sort of methods may change and it may be just 10 or 15,000 miles mm. until you're driving the greener choice that could all happen. That, yeah. that definitely could happen. But fundamentally, right now, we're actually polluting the, the earth more buying electric. Yeah. And as well, we haven't got to the stage yet where we've got to dispose in these electric cars, you know, because they're not, they're not that old. You know, what, what, what about... We already know about a combustion car, what it takes to scrap one of them and whatnot. We, we don't really know about the electric getting out they're getting out when mm -hmm. they've come to the end of their life and they do they're machines they will they're not going to last forever and and i think they're going to last less than a combustion car and even if they do last longer once they're finished they're finished it's like your phone once it's off it's off you can't you can't switch it back on and there always becomes a point with everything battery powered it just won't hold a charge anymore and like I said, I go back to it. When an engine's finished in a car, you can refurb it. You know, most people, they've got an engine, unless it's a Ferrari engine, that don't happen, but you know what I mean? A normal combustion car, you can recon an engine for hundreds of quid. That is not going to be the case for battery cars. Well, it's not currently. We, we don't, we don't we know. We don't know. Because they are going to keep, you know, developing this. And... And there is still so much ahead. That's why, you know, I don't want to see this as the final nail in the coffin for electric. I'm not necessarily suggesting that. What I'm suggesting is that, as we've kept saying, right now, it's not perfect. And so this sort of global propaganda or this agenda to force everyone into electric for manufacturers to have to be building electrics. And you said a second ago, surely there's going to be an electric Ferrari, FUV or some vehicle coming yeah. soon. 
that's because of government pressure from around the world. Yeah. It's not because it's necessarily right now the greener choice. Now, as I say, Volvo published this thinking that they'd found a positive spin. They weren't coming out to say, guys, we're giving up on electric. So the way that they summarized their key findings is the XC40 recharge has a lower total carbon footprint than the combustion engine car for all analyzed electricity mixes. That is a good point. I think the, the problem which they've highlighted is how close it is mm. and these fundamental break-even points. The carbon footprint of a combustion engine XC40 is 58 tonnes, while the footprint of a recharge is 27 to 54 tonnes, depending on the electricity mixes with varying carbon intensity yeah. in the use phase. Yeah. When considering the emissions from the materials, producing an XC recharge and its battery pack results in roughly 70% more carbon emissions than a combustion engine car. Okay. So it's 70% more emissions to produce the recharge. <laughs> And the battery is a larger part of that. It's about 10 to 30% of the actual total carbon yeah. footprint is just the battery. Well, we already know that, that a, a battery is really polluting to make. We, we, already, we already understand yeah. that. We knew yeah. that before. We, don't know, we didn't know the percentages we do now, but we knew that it was a lot. A lot. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, as I say, and, and this, if anything, points towards what Shmi's just done, which is, you know, used cars, you know, they're already here. Um, you know, so so great big hunking engine used cars, they're already here. So the the cost to the earth has already existed, and actually driving them for a little bit longer, whilst you are of course emitting more than an electric car that is also on the road, that deficit is. I, I would. It's a different comparison to look at again because the break even points are even different. You know, from a brand new electric XC40 to a ten year old V12 Ferrari. What's that break-even story? Yeah. Anyway, so I thought this was fascinating. As I say, I only had a chance to skim read this because I literally got back from Spain last night. Please go and check out Rory and Shmi's videos or check out this report. I'll try and put a link to it below. It's volvocars.com. It's literally on their website. Is it actually on the website? It's on their website. It's a really, really interesting, you know, story and, and analysis. And I say, I'm, I'm going to read more of it this evening to try and understand more of it. But yeah. I mean, it will improve, mate, because that, that's the, the problem is, is like I said, and I remember 20 years ago when everyone said go and buy diesel cars, that that worked out well, didn't it? But, um, you know, these manufacturers are, are, are under huge pressure from governments globally to sort this out. You know, they've all signed declarations that they're going to be carbon neutral by 2070 or 2050, or they haven't all signed it, by the way, but that a lot of them have and they're under huge pressure, and, and it will get better. But like we said before, I think there's another solution. There's an, there is another way, for sure. Yeah, and you look, we're not naysayers. I know some of you uh, get upset with how much we sort of bash EVs. I actually really like a lot of the electric vehicles I'm driving right now. I still think the infrastructure needs to improve. I'm not here to say I never want to be in an EV. I think in the city they make a huge amount of sense. Yeah. But we're trying to do our best to maybe sort of pull back some of the curtains on some of the information you may be receiving. And fundamentally, you guys are all very clued up. You're all petrol heads. You all know what you're talking about. You probably consume a lot of automotive news. So you're going to all be well-educated in this topic. But we do feel like it's our part that when we find out information like this or when we're told it, that we want to share it with you so that you can make your own choice because we both get questioned so much. We get DMs, emails. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of buying a Taycan or maybe I should just buy a, a Panamera 
plug-in hybrid or yeah. should I just go? So we get these questions a lot. So that's why we're trying to do this. We're not here to every single week saying electric, or maybe Tony is, electric's crap. That's not the aim. It's just about presenting some of this information to you and sharing our thoughts on it. Yeah. And I've, I've you know, I think I've said this before. I've never said it's crap. I said it doesn't work for everyone. So it doesn't work. That That's all I'm saying, you know. And, and when everyone says to me, um, when shall I buy an electric car? Shall I buy one next year? I always say, when you've got to, mm. in 2030, or whenever they move the goalpost to next. Because an infrastructure, as we know, is a huge part of the problem. And, and we, as human beings, are only going to be a small part of saving the planet. We're all going to be dead, mate, by the time... You know, we're doing this for generations. I mean, the planet will probably survive, <laughs> But we as a human race might not. The, but. the, 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 planet, the planet will 100% yeah, survive. Figure itself out. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And, that's, and you're absolutely right. And I think you said this to me before. The planet's not the problem. It's, it's the people. Yeah. That, that's where we're We're making ourselves extinct. extinct. Co- correct. We won't, have food, we won't be able to grow our own food, as we're seeing around the world, fires and floods and extreme weather conditions. Yeah. We're making it harder and harder for the human race to survive on this planet. So we have to do something. Yeah. Absolutely have to do something. Yeah. But when you see a study like that, which is basically saying that up until 140,000 kilometers or however many years that would achieve, an electric car is actually producing more carbon emissions. Yeah. That's when we have to raise the flag and say, hold on a sec, guys, aren't we all aiming for the greater good of saving the human race and trying to uh, ensure that, as you say, generations after us can continue to enjoy this incredible planet like the southwest of Spain, like I've just been in now. You know, yeah. Parts of the world like that will only survive if we all come together. And, and according to that report all of us going out and buying electric cars is going to make this planet worse. Well, yeah, you're right. And also as well, there is always, there's this other thing. I mean, it's always motorists that get, get picked on as well. It's a percentage, but it's a small percentage. And you know, they have to do something. The carbon emissions for cars around the world is five or 6% of the, it's tiny. Uh, of the actual transport emissions, yeah. because it, it is tiny. Ships, you know, transport, cargo airplanes, ships, airplanes, you know, all they're these They're the biggest two, like, right? Uh, I assume so, yeah. yeah. I mean, cargo ships for sure right up there. Yeah. Uh, airplanes must be. Yeah. Um, but it's because, you know, cars are part of our lives, very relatable. Yeah. If, if you're a politician or if you're a campaigner saying cars are polluting, we've got to get rid of cars, everyone sees them. We all own cars, we all yeah. use cars, they're right in front of you, you can understand it. When was the last time we went on a cargo ship? Oh, it's not just that as well. It's loads easier, isn't it, to convert to yeah. to change it's something that the you car. can do. I, yeah. I, I, okay, I can help out. I can go buy an electric yeah. car. So, yeah, it's going to be a continued debate on this podcast for years to come. So, if you're bored of it, I'm sorry, but I do think that this was a fascinating and interesting uh, topic. So, I'm glad we we got to discuss. Speaking it. Speaking of cargo ships, by the way, did you yeah. see that one? That oh what? yes, we probably should talk about that because that was the other thing I got sent loads of. <laughs> I got sent 400 links to the Ferrari FUV and 500 links to a cargo ship yeah. on fire with what on board? Porsches. <laughs> <laughs> no! Luckily they weren't coming here. But but just going back to your, your battery analyst, ma- analysis, imagine if that was that there cargo be, ship. But there must be some Taycans on there. No, no, no. But imagine if the cargo ship was powered by batteries. Oh. I mean, 
It would be, yeah, I mean, it would fill the earthquake here. I mean, it wouldn't float, to be fair. So, so yeah, it, yeah, never, yeah. it never would have started. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. if it was a hydrogen boat. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a bomb as well, doesn't oh, it? Oh, mate. I mean, because these boats do catch fire. But, yeah, this was a, a really mad news story, which is not the first time this has happened, I have to say. No, no, no. Um, but a, a, a cargo boat carrying a Holland Porsche to North America, wasn't it? Going to America, Going yeah. to America. Uh, yeah, just caught fire. And, and then because the crew had to abandon the ship and then it was floating in the ocean for a It was then basically anyone's taking. Yeah, yeah. It was like weird maritime rules because it had been abandoned. Anyone could just walk up and claim it. So I saw similar tweets be like, right, come on boys. Let's go and get a Porsche. I just got a Speedo from, uh, what you was called, uh, an inflatable boat, a dinghy from thingy. Let's go and get a Porsche. Um, but yeah, I mean, God, if there are delays on ordering new Porsches for North America, God knows what those delays are like now. Well, that, that will, because obviously they're all still made in the same factory. They're just left or right hand drive. It will affect orders globally, mate, because yeah. uh, you know they've still it's still another eleven hundred cars they got to make. And exactly, they're going to have to make them quick because them customers. So even even the right hand drive market, if if not, it doesn't matter because you we're right hand drive and we're left hand. It does matter because your car's not going to get made. Their car's going to get made. That's exactly it. You're yeah. going to get bumped down the line. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm- <laughs> absolute disaster one way or another um it was always why i was so nervous shipping <laughs> shipping my car during drive the world i'd have done you a favor could you fire that thing <laughs> how dare you but it was green it was amazing Carrity. <laughs> i missed that car i still look at them i have to say do you really yeah but no matter how much sort of reassurance the company i mean it was cars so they're really one of the best in the business and what the best they're like we we cannot control Mother Nature. <laughs> if a tidal wave comes, your car is in the ocean and not coming back. And it's like, insured, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me, that was I no, was good. If the car was at the bottom of the ocean, I was like, that was me done. So anyway, but look, uh, well, a nice segue is that if we're talking about the fact that right now it doesn't necessarily make sense to buy an electric vehicle, that is really solidifying my choice to buy a big hunking <laughs> engine. Of an engine of a new daily. You can't, you can't even say the engine? <laughs> no. Uh, you know I can. Okay, well, so, yes, look, let's get into it. Uh, a thing that I've dragged out for far too long. I didn't actually mean to drag out this My Next Daily series for this long. I mean, it's been, <laughs> I think, nearly six months. When did I do that first video? It's, it has absolutely been six yeah, months. Yeah, it's a joke, and I'm yeah. sorry for all of you. I mean, there, let's just explain the reasoning behind that very quickly. <laughs> Firstly, when I kicked off the series, I hadn't actually definitely decided to replace <laughs> it. Like, I went up to Alexander's as a bit of a joke, thought, oh, actually, maybe there's something in this, titled the video, Hunt for My Next Daily, with no real plans to follow it up. And then it became this thing. Anyway, so I dragged it out for too long. There was a part of me which was like, oh, well, those first two videos did do quite well on YouTube. We so, go. you know, as a business, maybe I should, you know, do a few more of these kind of videos. But as I say, was no, was not in a rush. Hadn't decided what I was doing. So I realized that maybe it was a bit tedious after a while. You didn't know what you was buying until like three weeks ago. Literally three weeks ago. <laughs> I have been going back and forth and I've been boring Tony and Paul so much with this decision because as you all know, and as I've explained in a very recent main channel video and on this podcast many times, the X340i was fundamentally a very hard car to replace. So you might be going, well, why did you replace it? Because I, I just, you know, I wanted to. Yeah. I wanted to and, and I think- You had it a couple of years, didn't you? I had it a couple of years yeah. and it just, you know, I, I hadn't had that emotional connection and I wanted something different. And I saw- in the video that I posted sort of reviewing my time with that car, a few comments saying, oh, you know, what the heck? Like, how can you get rid of this car? Most people would dream of owning a car like this. But it's everyone, firstly, lives their own lives. Of course. And 
everyone is free to make their own decisions. It is my car. I think some people have assumed it was a loaner or some crazy lease and that lease had run out. It's not. I was a PCP car. I bought it from BMW, financed through BMW UK. I think I mentioned before, it was costing me like 400 quid odd a month. And because of the crazy and insane used car market, I basically sold it for what I bought it to Tony. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I already know. I knew yeah, that. yeah. So... Long story short, you know, it all made sense. And, and yeah, I don't know why I'm defending myself. But anyway. Well, it's, it's why you were sitting there for 20 seconds defending yourself and justifying why you're having to buy and sell a car is exactly the same reason why I don't post my own personal cars on, on social media anymore. Okay, fair because enough. Because I am not a YouTuber. Why should you, even being a YouTuber, be dictated by anyone for you to... To drive, you should be able to drive what you want. They drive what they want. And it absolutely infuriates me. And actually, it infuriated me then just listening to you, having to having to justify and explain yourself why you've sold your car, <laughs> your own car. And then when you buy a new car, you have to justify and explain why you've bought a new car. Which is what I'm about to do. But Oh, my God. But no, I do understand it because... If you're sitting at home and you're in a, a 15 grand car and you're very happy with it, but you're desperate to move up to a 30 grand car and then you see a YouTuber switching in and out of a car that you think is amazing just willy-nilly, it must be a bit frustrating. Must Why? Go, I don't know. Do you go to work? Uh, me? Yeah. Yes. You work hard? I, I like to think so. Right. So the person in the 15 car, grand car that's got the amp... Go work harder. <laughs> then you can have a 30 grand one. No, that is it, mate. You sound like Molly May now. Just, you know, we've got the same 24 hours in a day. Um, yeah, but you but, work hard, mate. So you yes. deserve a nice car. And your next car that you're about to announce is fairly expensive and people are going to go in on you. I don't, it's, not, it's not right, mate. They don't understand well, the work that you have to put in. But also, it's not free. Fundamentally, people can do what they want. Of course they can. I think the thing which maybe is hard to understand, which is, you know, for me, before I got into YouTube, I changed my car. Actually, I changed my car a lot. What am I talking about? Um, I genuinely changed my car a lot. Some you people are shit in general. That's why you got to change when they run out of puff. And my A6 4.2 V8. Executive oh my God. What Exec- happened there? I owned it for six months. Did you really? Yeah. I thought I was going to do an RS6 conversion, but that's not a thing. So. An A6 4.2 V8. Yeah, blue with uh, grey interior. It was like a se- executive salesman spec. The the yeah. An A6 or an A8? A6. A6. V8 petrol? Yep. Unbelievable. Did about four MPG in London. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, you know, funny how the world works. Um, but uh, long story short, there is no need to justify it. You know, people can change the cars. Absolutely. Like, and it's just taken me a while to figure out what I wanted to do. So, as we spoke about, I did really toy with the idea of an FF for half a second. That that was pretty serious. You know, I came into the beginning of this year thinking... You, you went know, to look at one, mate. I, I got one inspected down at Furlonger. Absolute legends at Furlonger. I had to look over one. Bloke's uh, still there now. <laughs> No, actually, it was a very nice car, but as nice a car as it was, it still needed like yeah, eight, eight yeah, grand's yeah, work. Yeah. The FF needs Ten trigger charging and all these different things. Yeah, yeah. And fundamentally, as I announced when I started this whole journey, my daily is just that, a car that I'm going to be using on a day-to-day basis. It needs to be super practical, super comfortable, loads of space, easy to drive, all the comfort, all the tech. I would love to go out and buy an old 90, I don't know, like an Audi RS2 or a, an old Merc C43. Like, I would love that, but it's it's just not reliable. And, you know, so... So it's a newer car? 
Yes, I, but that, that, you know, no one's going to be surprised now. No, no, this, this, is, this is exactly right at my street because the other day, before you reveal it, because I'm just trying to drag it out a bit so they're watching. The other day, I was driving around the motorway, as I do, in my brand new car, <laughs> and uh, I saw a V6 R32 Ooh. Golf, and it made a lovely noise yes. as it come up the side of me, and I thought, oh, I remember them. I really, really liked them back then mm -hmm. and then like literally 25 seconds later i thought that is literally just a bag of trouble <laughs> like but that's the thing you know it's tempting like we're, we're car guys like there's yeah. lots of cars like that that i would love and yeah you know there's also that sort of side of it that thinks oh you know heck screw like comfort and practicality yeah just, but no i i need a and want i want a practical usable comfortable day yeah so um before i do the grand reveal i got the patrons to send in a load of suggestions because <laughs> i think people are going to be very surprised by this because i surprised myself and um, me yeah and you <laughs> so let's just see what some people are suggesting uh tom collier uh with a julia qv um i'm pretty sure tom's got one so that's why he's suggesting good it. car though tom great car great car you've never liked them though i really liked them <laughs> i wouldn't own one because the infotainment system and i wanted a oh. uh, suv or i would have considered an estate but i need that target for twiggy can't put twiggy in a boot <laughs> it's the size of a coffee no no but you can't shut her in an enclosed boot my dog goes in a boot no no it's a tailgate. You've got you're on an SUV. What I'm saying is you can't oh, in an enclosed. Yeah, boot. yeah, yeah. I know what so you I mean. So I needed yeah. a, a, a saloon. Yeah. You couldn't have a saloon. Can't, can't have a yeah, saloon I exactly. Get you. Or yeah, yeah. Oh, you probably have a hatchback. Yeah. Lawrence Baldwin in with the McCann GTS called it the greatest car on the earth a couple of weeks ago. It last is one week, of, and it is yep. one of. Yeah. Um, can't get the new, new, new ones. I did. I did genuinely look at it, and Alexander's prestige did actually have one at one point, but. For all the reasons we've discussed, it's, couldn't quite. Yeah, oh, yeah. No. I understand, mate. It was tempted. I was tempted. Yeah, it it's a great car. Yeah. Great car. Um, a lot of people, Goran uh, Sokolic, uh, one of the people that mentioned F-Pace SVR, and I actually think so many people assume I'm getting F-Pace SVR. Redlack 700. Um, who oh else said F-Pace? Primiano Bubico, F-Pace SVR. Uh, Alex, New Shape F-Pace SVR. Uh, Matt Pickford, F-Pace SVR. That's false. Adam Sidaway, F-Pace SVR. So many people thought F-Pace SVR. It's not an F-Pace SVR. Why, why didn't, because so many people thought that, and it's your affiliation with Jaguar, of course. Why did you not go for an F-Pace SVR? Because I've got an F-Type R. Okay. <laughs> now, now, fundamentally, that F Type R is not mine, it's Jaguar's, but yeah. they don't want it back. Like, I keep trying, I'm like, guys, and they're like, ah, no. Like, it they've actually fun. stopped replying to my emails about that car. <laughs> um, but also, the, as I've, as people know, there's, there's plans for F Types and Jags <laughs> on this channel. And what is the point, and definitely right now, running an F Pace SVR alongside an F Type R? Yeah. Like, a lot of people are saying, well, that ticks off many boxes and then you can go and buy a Porsche as your sports car. I sort of got that argument, but as awesome as the F-Pace SVR is, I, I, I did, I say, if I'm going to have the V8 Jag, I think I want the F-Type. Okay. So that was the thinking there. Um, uh, Lucas, Lucas, I'm not going to pronounce that surname of yours. Gulambauskas? Oh no. Where's that from? Go on, Lucas. Uh, Panamera Sport Turismo. Half a second, I did look at Panamera's. And you actually, did, yeah. Uh, Abdullah said Panamera GTS. I don't know why, but if a Panam if a Panamera was Taycan size, I'd be all over it. But I just there's something about Panamera just a bit too. Was uh, anyway something about Panamera. No, you can't say that. <laughs> 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 you, you know why I can't say. That. I was about to say it's too big, but 
I'm not shoot, my, I'm gonna shoot myself in the foot nah. soon. Um, yeah, I don't know. Panamera just it never quite happened for me. Every time I looked at it, it never quite happened. And you can get uh, the plug-in hybrids, uh, Turbo S and stuff like that, relatively cheaply on the used market in the grand yeah, scheme of things. Yeah, boot but. space is not quite as big in a mm. Panamera because it slopes down. So you know, you, you can look you, at the Sport Turismo, but which is very good looking. But yeah, I don't know. I still not the boot space is still not. If I'm getting a Porsche, I want a 911. Yeah. That's my whole thing. Like, if I'm getting a Cayenne, McCann, Panamera, I want a 911. That's the Porsche Cayenne's I want. Cayenne's a very good car. The Cayenne Coupe for a while. Do you remember that car? Yeah, it was a very good car. No, yeah. I love that car, dude. Uh, Jack Kerr in with all the banter, saying BMW 2 Series Active Tourer. Would have been a good prank on you, all I have to say. Uh, Harrison Maxwell with the BMW iX, a car that I'm really, really excited to buy, but no, I wouldn't be buying electric for all the reasons we just discussed. Uh, Ed Boyce, along with many other people, saying, what about the new X3? And before the FF decision, and at the end of last year when I came back from Dubai, I text you all because I was actually about to put a deposit down on a green with tan X3 M40i, the latest version. You was, yeah. Which I think ended up still coming to uh, to Dick Lover in Hungerford. At the time, it wasn't a physical car, and I inquired, and they were like, well, we don't even know if it's coming or not. We could try and put a new order in, but you can't actually put in... The, the BMW individual, individual colour. So yeah. um, long story short, I ended up getting a bit of a panic on, ended up seeing the car physically, thought it was gorgeous. But yeah, that very nearly happened. Uh, Paul Cohen with Audi RS4 Avant. Uh, no, looked at those as well. Good car. Um, they were good cars, but interesting on finance. So obviously, you know, my next day was all going to be walked through magnitude finance and I used their calculator endlessly on the, on the online calculators. So, oh, that's interesting, isn't it? And an RS4 was kind of looking at like 10 grand in about a grand a month, mm-hmm. which, you know, you're like, okay, that's sort of, you know, that's interesting-ish. But when you're at that level, suddenly lots of other things become very affordable. Yeah. Um, you know, for a little bit more or a little bit less, you can get loads of other stuff. So the yeah. RS4 is suddenly a little bit, bit too expensive. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Horsfield hoping for a Stelvio um, nope I've said many times before ain't going to be getting a Stelvio Wayne Horton uh, Alpina B5 okay so talking about finance calculators Alpina B5 estate very cool essentially the M5 touring uh, ex- in- insanely expensive to finance yeah it's because of residuals yeah because yeah. there's like no residuals in Alpina so yeah. that was coming out at like 1700 quid a month or something was like it that. Just, was oh, it really like, yeah, yeah, oh terrifying terrifying yeah um and let's just see if there's I mean loads loads lots of you that coming. is terrifying Tom Smith oh. with a Defender 110 or a Ranger of a Sport Christopher Lee with a Yaris just a standard Yaris he's saying I'm going to think a joke and I did say to you at one point why don't you just get a Range Rover Sport and you just said oh it's too too predictable it was like my dad I just feel like my dad every time I drive them I just feel like my dad yeah that's the problem they're great as they them, are yeah. he's always had them I just yeah. feel like my dad Simon Kidd in with the Porsche Panamera Carmen Scott with the X5 X5 45 yeah. e I think a lot of people saw X5 coming it's not an X5 yeah I didn't, I sort of never really took X5 seriously great car though great the X5 car, but, flipping but, yeah, what a car I don't know why I sort of didn't really take it seriously. I was just a bit like, yeah, yeah, I don't, didn't take it seriously. Um, so people have kind of tapped into the things that I was considering, but actually not one Patreon suggested the actual car. Really? Not, not one. one Patreon. Oh, you've done good. I wouldn't reveal it if I was you then. Billy Perkis, the Defender 90. Nope, not Because it's going to be a really, really good surprise for people. Actually, Sorry. James Scudder has got it right. James, James, James. I feel like I should send you a hat. A hat? James has got it right. So, on Sunday, the full reveal, because 
this particular car is fairly unique. I'm, I'm about to tell you the make and the model, but the specific car needs to be seen. Would you agree? Oh, it needs to be seen, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where we'll end it. So I hope you've enjoyed the episode. I'm going to have really clickbaited this with the title saying, my Are you really? Day. It's going to be in the last 20 seconds of the episode. And if you want to follow Tony, he's at Tony Crawford Car Sales on most social media platforms. I'm at Seen Through Glass. We'll be back with you next week when we can talk more about my new daily and Audi RS6. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.